0: that we might grow to be complete in Christ. Here's a poem that I thought I'd share with you today. It is entitled, To Meet the Master. Listen to the poet speak words of comfort to our hearts this Lord's Day morning. One day my path took a sudden turn and wound down a mountainside with a babbling brook and a singing bird and a sunbeam as my guide then rapidly as I walked the vale, and the sky grew dark and cold the lightning flashed and the thunder crashed and I longed for the days of old but as I cowered there neath a the sheltering rock and my heart cried out in prayer the rock where I hid became a hallowed place for I met the master there. Another day life was rich and sweet as my friends and I walked along. We shared our laughter and happiness and mingled our hearts in song. Then it happened, how? I don't quite know. How a friend close by my side could lay me low with a verbal blow and leave me lying in wounded pride. But as I huddled alone neath a nearby bush, With no one who seemed to care, the ground where I lay became hallowed ground, for I met the Master there. Another day and another time, as I serve in the work of the Lord, the people came and the church grew strong, and he blessed as I preached his word. But the praise of men and the privileged post were not to be kept for me, for I lost them both, and alone in the night, I would often lie and weep. Then, with a broken heart and troubled mind, I laid my soul out bare, and my broken heart became a hallowed place, for I met the Master there. Each day, through different in circumstance, brought a lesson much the same that taught me to serve wherever I could, whatever the troubles that came. And it taught me to trust my life and my all to him who appoints me my place. Being fully assured where he bids me go, he'll keep by his matchless grace. Then again and again as we walk along, I have learned this lesson rare. Wherever I am is a hallowed place if I meet the master there. as i read this poem i formed an impression to read from scripture the story of jacob and his encounter with god i refer to genesis chapter twenty two of course god in one of the special times in history when he appeared in a human form to encounter men and women to bring a special revelation to them you will remember the story when i remind you that it describes for us the time when jacob wrestled into the night with a stranger whom he had not known before turned out this stranger was god himself of this jacob was more than convinced he named the place Peniel, which means face of god jacob was so struck by the supernatural encounter that he said with a tremendous measure of awe and amazement as he remembered the incident i have seen god face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. You recall also that he was given a limp when God touched his thigh, ending the wrestling match. It would appear then that this very special, life-changing experience, an encounter with God himself, left Jacob with a limp and a constant reminder that he met God one day. No more. Now with his message for today, here's our pastor, Alan Lee.
1: Good morning. Thank you for tuning in once again to Echoes of Calvary. We are continuing our focus on the current sociological concept of fatherhood and masculinity as opposed to the biblical perspective. We presented our first message last week. We are now going to be looking at the core fundamentals of manhood as given to us in the Word of God. Biblically speaking, there is a basic fundamental attribute of manhood or maleness. In other words, you just cannot be a man or father who is, as they say, running on all eight cylinders without this component. Or, to put it another way, without this fundamental attribute, if maleness or masculinity were your home, you won't have all your lights on if you don't have this component. Or, put it in a still another way, if maleness and masculinity were a ladder, yours wouldn't reach the top. And ironically, it's the very thing that is being attacked in our feminized society today. Masculinity and the maleness of man. And so here's my premise or proposition, which I believe reflects the biblical teaching. Adam is the prototype of what a man and father should be. And because he was created to be the leader of God's program on earth, in order to be a biblical man or father, a man or father must both think and function as a leader, not simply be of the male species. Stated another way, and perhaps more succinctly, in order to fully realize their created potentiality as a male, a man must function as a masculine leader in the context of his family, the context of the church, and in the context of the community. This premise is based upon the record Of Adam's creation and fall into sin, as recorded in Genesis chapters 2 and 3, which is fundamental to a true understanding of masculinity as designed by God. Now I encourage you to read Genesis chapter 2 verses 7 through 24 for this study. Because of time limitations, we can only summarize it. The fact that God created Adam to be a leader in the family is seen in the following facts in these chapters. First, Adam was created first. And even in the context of creation, the creation of Eve, that is, he is still the center of focus, God's attention. The emphasis of the biblical text is that a woman's role is defined within her relationship to the man. Now, this is very important let me repeat that i know women are not going to take this uh, uh, lightly or even perhaps seriously but i believe this is a true reflection of the word of god and that's what we're here for at echoes of calvary to proclaim the word of god so we can lead each person who hears to spiritual maturity according to colossians one twenty-eight, twenty-nine. 29 We are not going to be guided by the culture or the mores of our society. As so many people, even professing Christians, seem to be today, we want to present the Word of God. And so I repeat, the emphasis of the biblical text, I'm looking at Genesis 2 specifically now, is that a woman's role is defined within her relationship to the man, and that that role is one of responder rather than initiator one of being a follower rather than be a leader. That's the thrust of the biblical text. The man's role of leader in the New Testament is also based on the creation order in the Old Testament. It is ingrained within the very fabric and makeup of society. If this is absent, social disorganization follows as surely as night follows day. We see that not only in our Bahamian society, but around the world as well, the apostle Paul reflects the creation order as the basis for his teaching on the role and position of men and women in the New Testament. For instance, in First Corinthians chapter eleven and verse eight, he says, quote, "Man did not come from woman, but woman from man, neither was man created for woman, but woman for man." That's the word of God. Now, a second validation of man's attribute of leadership is that Adam is designated as the embodiment embodiment and representative of the human race. Not Eve. Nowhere is Eve ever presented as the representative of the human race. It's always Adam, the male. You see, before Eve was created, Adam was both an individual and a generic name. The word Adam was both the name of an individual as well as a generic name. In other words, he was the personal embodiment of humanity. Mr. Adam was also the human race. He retained that name even after Eve was created. She became the wife associate of the embodiment or representative of humanity. A third validation of man's attribute of leadership is that Adam gave names to the animals, which was a recognized indication of leadership over them. That's an established fact. Fourthly, and this is a fourth validation now of man's attribute of leadership, and that is that Adam named Eve which is also a sign of leadership over her, and by extension, over the family as a whole. A fifth validation of man's attribute of leadership is that he is the one to whom God directed his commands. Adam, consequently, was responsible for passing them on to Eve. A sixth validation of man's attribute of leadership is that God placed the final blame on Adam for Eve's disobedience, showing that the buck stopped with him. He was the responsible leader. The Apostle Paul attests to this fact in Romans chapter 5, and verse 12. Notice what he says. Therefore, just as sin ended the world through one man and death through sin, And in this way, death came to all men, because in Adam all sinned. This emphasis, then, on the headship of the male is very precise and pronounced in the Word of God. At the same time, this emphasis on the headship of the male is not a palatable one in this age of women's rights, and a gross distortion of feminism. But nonetheless, it is a Biblical emphasis. In fact, it is a divinely imposed spiritual law or principle. When violated, God's intended social structure is violated. And as a result, society falls apart at its very core. My friends, that's exactly what is happening in our Bahamian society and the United States as well. And it is at the very heart of the cause. This is this violation of the basic biblical principle. Let me repeat that. When violated, that is the intended headship of man in the home, in the church and society, then God's intended social structure is violated and as a result, society falls apart at its very core. I say to you again, that's exactly what is happening in our Bahamian society and at the very heart of the cause is this violation of this biblical principle. Men and especially fathers are to be and behave like men. That means being, thinking and behaving as a leader. The current unhealthy erroneous concept that contends that men and women are equal in every respect apart from nature because as far as the nature is concerned and the standing before God and the gifting before God, all of that is equal, no doubt about that. However, the current unhealthy erroneous concept that contends that men and women are the same as far as their functionality is concerned, emasculates men and defeminizes women. It also produces feminized men and masculized women. My friends, if the same thing occurred in the animal world to the degree it is incurred in our world it would be called gross grotesque abnormal and hideous you see this makes both male and female sexless and removes the distinction that god himself has gone to great pains to institute what then are some of the essential attributes of an unfeminized father or a male Who is not feminized what are some of the essential attributes of a masculine father well first he demonstrates assertiveness and decisiveness adam failed in two vital areas of leadership assertiveness and decisiveness or decision making he was not aggressive enough in maintaining his leadership role and he failed to assume his proper responsibility when he was intimidated in making the wrong decisions concerning eating the fruit by his wife Eve which was du- which was a direct rebellion against the will and word of God Adam then became the first feminized man he acted feminish womanly in making that decision he was too soft he was too emotional he was not strong and decisive when he should have been and let me make it clear there is nothing wrong with a man being soft or emotional but rather it's been soft and emotional at the right times. Maleness is the ability to balance softness and emotion with strength, aggressiveness, and decisiveness. But secondly, a masculine father or man readily assumes responsibility. Adam denied his responsibility, and so his maleness and manhood was also denied when he decided to follow Eve rather than firmly insisting that she should follow him in keeping with the word of God. Genesis chapter 3. When Adam said, my wife made me do it, he denied the very essence of his maleness in order to escape guilt. God created him to accept responsibility. Man continues to run away from responsibility. It all started with Adam. When Adam denied this function, he literally emasculated himself. When he tried to shift this role to the female, he sunk even to a lower level on the divine scale of masculinity. This principle holds today for the man who refuses to accept his masculine role of leadership. But third, a masculine man or father is an aggressive initiator. Notice the shift that takes place after the fall. The woman becomes a controller and the man becomes a weakling. Control is the perversion of responding and weakness is the perversion of leadership. Weak men make weak leaders and weak leaders make feminized men and fathers. In its essence Maleness consists of initiative and aggressiveness, strength and decisiveness. However, since the fall, male initiative has been perverted to pursue the purpose of self-protection through such behaviors as exaggerated initiative or forced dominion over women, which is a devilish thing. Or they retreat into areas of perceived competency, such as sports or business and so on. This is an indecisive dependency. And these are all evidences of a core weakness, a stubborn determination to avoid exposure of masculine failure. Fourth, a masculine father is a provider. Adam's judgment was related to the essence of his manhood, his role as a provider. He would now face opposition from the ground, the source of his provisions and his wife who would now feel a compulsive desire to control, not support. His role as a provider is distorted. That which was a joy is now sorrow and toil. Sin causes men to forsake their responsibility. And so Paul says, if man won't work, then don't let him eat. In other words, don't feed a lazy, irresponsible man. Both male and female are now threatened at the level of this sexuality. Men ask, can I lead? But because of fear of failure, they also ask, will I fail? Women, on the other hand, ask, can I be supportive? But because of fear of domination, they also ask, will I be hurt? We'll pick up from this point next time, Lord willing. Until then, this is Pastor Lee saying, Selah, think and act on these things.
2: It could happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It could happen in a moment, he could break the eastern sky. Though our hearts will feel unworthy, yet how happy we will be. When the Savior comes from heaven. The great Commander's promise—he will surely come again. And then